calamity, he didn't bump you, he didn't nudge you, he rubbed you. And Robin's son is racing. And welcome everybody to Locked On iRacing. We are at episode number 12, I guess, in this new scheme of things, but we are here tonight with one Reese Gardner for a lovely interview. How are you, Reese? I am doing very well, guys. I'm a bit cold, as it is in Perth, but I'm happy to be on this podcast. I've been looking forward to this interview for some time. Yes, we booked this in a while ago, as we say with all our guests. Uh, by the way, I am Peter Wilco-Wilkinson, and this is Braden Martin. How are you going, mate? Yeah, uh, not too bad. Just as cold That's- as uh, Reese is over here in Adelaide. I think it's down to about oh, eight or seven degrees or something. About- you are a... Don't skip from Antarctica, so I don't un- I don't understand why you're surprised by that. No. Um, for, for those playing at home, I just finished my ice cream and the air conditioning is on, so we are good to go. Uh, welcome, Reese, to the podcast. Like I said, we've had this one in the works for a while. Um, I admire your work and have been admiring it for a long time as well, and so I'm really glad to have you on. I appreciate um, it. But tell us, tell the audience, actually, who is Reese Gardner? Uh, Reese Gardner is a uh, Edith Cowan University graduate now. I've just finished my Whoa, final semester of university, so uh, that. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I think it might be a while before I have to start paying that back. Just saying. Um, but yeah, I'm uh, I'm a Perth boy. Have been all my life. I'm 27 years old as of 2021, and I've been sim racing since 2008. I um I actually have a, a little bit of a, a unique story because I um I have a brachial plexus injury in my right arm. So uh, it, it happened at birth. Basically, I was way too big, and uh, through a natural birth, um, the nerves got torn out of my spinal cord on the right hand side. So I can't use my right arm. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> that seems like it's um something. Uh, that would make eye racing more difficult for you. Uh, obviously, it does. But how, how have you overcome that from starters? Uh, well, um, it's. Uh, I, I mean, I, when when people ask me, oh, you know, how difficult do you find it and stuff? It's it's difficult for me to answer because I've never really known any You've different. Never known it you otherwise. Know? Yeah. yeah, I've been like this my whole <laughs> life. So basically, I've I've gotten around it by using a button on the front panel of my wheel to shift up with my thumb and yeah. the left paddle to shift down, and everything else is as normal. I, I guess the best person to ask would be Tim Ryan after he did basically the same thing <laughs> yeah. and still won the race. But uh, yeah, no, that's a fascinating story. Can we talk about what it's been like growing up with, with that disability? Yeah, yeah, of course. Impairment? Yeah, you know, I mean, I think I think I've been pretty fortunate in terms of like how other people have seen me. You know, I was I was never bullied for it at school, which I'm I'm very grateful for. Mostly, it was just curiosity from other people, like, oh, what happened to your arm and and stuff like that. So, you know, like everyday tasks can be a little difficult for me. Stuff like you know, lifting heavy things, cutting vegetables, and uh, cutting food in general. So, uh, but other than that. Um, I tend to live a pretty normal life. My real car has a uh, like a like a tiller attached to the steering wheel with a little button panel that I use for indicators and horn and stuff like that. So you know, I live as normally as I can. Oh, that's cool. Look, okay, I want to quickly touch on the other bit you just threw in there as well. You you graduated. What did you graduate at uni for? I, I think I know, but what did tell the audience? I have a uh, well, or I am going to have as of September, I reckon, a bachelor of media and communications, majoring in broadcasting. 
you, and you're in the right field, aren't you? So how, okay, what came first? Obviously, your love for broadcasting or getting into broadcasting with SimSpeed. I assume it was the broadcasting itself with the university. Well, what came first? Um, actually, it was the broadcasting with SimSpeed. I mean, well, again, it's, oh. a, it's a bit of a long story, you know, um, from, from a That's young age. Yeah, from a young age, a lot of people uh, would tell me, oh, you know, you've got a really good voice and, you know, you should get into radio and stuff like that. But I mostly ignored all of that and I decided to go on my own path out of school. Initially, I wanted to do engineering. So I tried doing the motorsports degree at ECU here in Perth, but uh, that didn't go too well for me. You know, a bunch of, you know, life issues combined with bad results meant that uh, I ended up taking some time off and in the interim I started commentating with SimSpeed and I rediscovered um, my sort of you know knack for this broadcasting malarkey and then in 2017 I decided well I might as well uh, see what's out there in terms of degrees and see if I can get a qualification for that which will help me in my future career. Shout out to all the former uh, engineer studiers as well. I did a year of mechanical engineering before going, yeah, this is not for me. <laughs> mm, yeah, it's, it's, it's way more difficult than it looks for sure. Oh, yes. <laughs> I, I don't think we've started a podcast on um, Tangent without going on Tangent yet, have we, Braden? Um, no, we're good we at a that. massive long list of questions here, and I looked at it and I went, that's about an hour and a half, so we've been rushed through this, and already we're off the track. Um, so let's get back on track. When did your passion start for um, motorsports? My passion for motorsports started in 2006. I was... Um... Uh, like I was like 11, 12 years old, um, we got a oh PlayStation 2 for Christmas and bundled with yep. it was Gran Turismo 3. And uh, initially, yeah, initially I played around with it. Um, but then uh, an old friend of mine from primary school came over my house one day and showed me how I could modify the cars in Gran Turismo. I got into it more. Eventually I realized, oh, hey, I can actually pick out various brands and models of car in real life now. I started getting into motorsport. Uh, I first started watching Formula One in 2007. Supercars was my first love. And yeah, that's basically how it all started. Wow. And so when was the transition into iRacing? It was back in about 2010. Um, I was I was racing on the Sim Race 07 at the time, good old Simbin, uh, with a little group wow. called In The Red. And um, uh, one, one guy, his name was uh, Corey Slade. He messaged me, um, uh, oh, I can't remember about you know, 2009, 2010 sort of deal. And uh, he uh, uh, started racing with him on R-Factor in his league. Uh, we were running a Le Mans league in R-Factor. And then eventually he said, oh, you know, we should probably get into iRacing. And he started getting into it. He loved it with his mates. And he said, oh, Reese, you know, we've got to get you into iRacing. And yeah, uh, eventually in 2010, I managed to uh, get an account. And uh, that was uh, the start of it, really. Very nice. What what did your rig look like at, at this starting point? I'm sure it's a lot different to what it is now, but w what was going on in the uh, the Reese Gardner rig at that time? Trust me, not much is different now, but <laughs> oh. it might change in the future. Uh, just, a, just a wheel bolted to a desk. That's, um, that's what it was. I had a Logitech Driving Force EX. Um, 
good old base level Logitech wheel with 180 degrees rotation. And uh, I, I still have that wheel. It's uh, currently behind me in a box, but the rubber has started to go a bit sticky. So I can't <laughs> probably think about throwing that out soon. And uh, yeah, it was just there, that and, uh, and a desk. And nowadays uh, I've got a Thrustmaster T500 RS with the Ferrari GT Challenge rim. And I've got some Fanatec CSL Elite pedals with the load cell brake. Ah, uh, yes, a bit of my uh, very own taste for the time being. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, <Yes> indeed. <laughs> have you got a favorite car to drive in iRacing at the moment? For a very long time, it was the HPD ARX01C, the prototype. That is the car that I have the most mileage on in iRacing, and I've always loved Le Mans prototypes. But right now, I think probably my favorite car is the Audi TCR. I I really enjoy TCR racing, and front-wheel drive touring car racing was really my my first sort of sim racing love. You know, again, I started sim racing in Race 07, which simulated the world touring car championship the two leader touring cars of the time so yeah right now it's the audi i think uh as soon as there's a new tcr released uh there'll be a couple of leagues all over that one for sure yeah (laughs) looking Um, forward to that day yeah so you said you grew up playing uh gran turismo 3 and a couple of other games were there any other games that you really grew up on I graduated to Gran Turismo 4 after a while. Um, and, uh, you know, for a time I dabbled in um, a couple of other games on the PlayStation 2, like uh, like the original Juiced. That was so much fun. <laughs> I Bloody remember that game. That game. <laughs> yeah. yeah, fantastic. Um, I also uh, loved the uh, the Codemasters V8 Supercar race driver games. Um, number yep. three was the uh, one that I had yes. the most time in. I still remember, like, I think I mentioned it on the podcast once before. I played that game so much and I just loved the career mode. It's the first yeah. sort of racing game that I'd played that had like a, a story mode to it, I suppose. Um, you know, Gran Turismo, you kind of just built your way through, got some licenses, bought all the cars you could, but that really had that sort of personal touch to it where you felt like you were the racing car driver in there. And I, I just remember turning so many laps at the Adelaide track, like, I could win that track hands down every single time by laps. It was just, I'd gotten so good at it. It was awesome. Yeah. yeah it's that brilliant. came out of the Toka series and Toka series was what I, was what I grew up with as well. And um, yeah, to get that, I've still got the physical copy sitting here in a box in, in just behind me as well of V8 Supercar 3. Such good. I, I just, yeah. We need more Australian tracks. Let's move on to <laughs> Reese. How did you actually get into uh, commentary in the first place? We touched on it, dabbled with it before, but what was the story? What? How did you get in with SimSpeed? Did you do any of the other commentating before you went along with them? I did not. Um, and again, uh, it was partially through this Corey Slade guy who got me into iRacing in the first place. Um, the team that he ran for a while was Dynamic SimSport, and I was a member of that team. Also members of that team were Jay Kennedy, who is now the director at SimSpeed, and uh, Sebastian Murray-Westberg, who uh, who joined the team, and uh, he also took over the directing duties back when SimSpeed was known as V8s Online, when Jay went into a bit of semi-retirement, and um, <laughs> there was an event that was being run called The Race to Reality, um, done by Race Center over in Sydney, and it was basically a competition that 
uh, you know, you raced in the Legends cars uh, over a few weeks and the winner of that competition got a test in uh, an Aussie racing car, I believe, or, or some some real life test. And for one of the rounds there at Oran Park, Seb messaged me and said, hey, you know, we need a commentator. Do you want to jump on with Corey and do some commentary? Um, and I was uh, absolutely crapping myself at the idea. <laughs> and uh, I, I thought, no, 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 please. No, 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 no. But, you know, I, I eventually gave in and thought, you know, I might as well give it a go. And, um, you know, I, I sucked, basically. I wasn't uh, anywhere near what I am now in terms of commentating ability. But that was the very start of it. And uh, I got a lot of encouragement from Seb and Jay and Corey. And, uh, yeah, I uh, eventually kept at it and started increasing my involvement. And here I am now. Now, I know that this is a question without notice, but I know that uh, I've seen some DMs flying around here and there that one day we might have Peter on the microphone of a broadcast at some point. Mm. Any, any tips for him? Um, tips, I'd say just uh, just relax, you know. Uh, go with the flow. Don't try to get too caught up in, you know, uh, what, what's going on all around the track. You, you just commentate on what's in front of you, what's being shown on the production feed. Keep an eye on your live timing just to see if there's any battles going on. And uh, just be yourself is the main thing. You know, you're there's been so many occasions, both you know, in uh, in sim racing commentary and in uh, in my university work, where I've seen people you know try to try to force a persona or try to put on a certain tone of voice, and that's really no way to go because you know you you just end up getting caught up in it, and uh, you know just being yourself really that's the main thing. I barely have any idea of what's going on anywhere in the world at the moment anyway, so let alone <laughs> trying to think about anything other than the race in front of me. I'm fine. I'm good. Um, let, let's move on to the next part. You studied broadcasting, obviously, after you, you decided this is a, a good thing. This might, How actually has it helped, though, with the content, not only your commentating, but the other content you do on the side? How much has that uni degree helped you so far? Well, I, I've I've learned from people that are in the real life broadcasting industry, and I've gotten some pointers on how to sort of tighten up my phrasing and stuff like that. Um, you know, generally uh, sound a little bit more professional in certain ways, and uh, get get a bit more of an idea of what people want from uh, broadcast commentary. You know, because um, when when I initially started out. I thought that I was doing a lot of stuff really, really well um, in in the early days. But looking back on it, I I think, you know, there's a lot that I could have improved on and I have improved on. So I think largely it's more to do with getting my points across and getting my ideas across, sort of being an animated presence. That's that's how the broadcasting degrees really helped me question without notice when you're at said university degree and you you say that you're broadcasting online sim racing do you get weird looks at all or or what's what's that like yeah it's um it's it's more it's more um general interest that uh that yeah. people have tended to exhibit when i've told them about what i what i do they 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 find it really cool you know it's something that they haven't really heard of because sim racing is still a very niche thing and uh yeah i've encouraged them to you know check it out take a look and 
because you know I believe that sim racing is um, you know one of the one of the best possible stepping stones into real life motorsport as well as a sport in its own right. So any more exposure that I can give it, I certainly will. Yeah, definitely. So you've commented some pretty cool races in your time over all those years. Is there any ones that stick out as your favourite over those years? I reckon um, pretty much every V8 Scops Bathurst 1000 has uh, been my highlight of the year because the finish is always dramatic. There's always some really amazing drives going on throughout the field. Probably... um, Oh, I'd, I'd, I, I would have to think a bit more about that because, you know, I, I've done so many broadcasts over the years that a lot of them have just blended into one. And um, I think that the, the quality of the racing that we broadcast on SimSpeed is largely so good that every race is a highlight for me. Every single time I get behind the mic, there is always something really cool going on. Yeah, definitely. So is there any actual moments so that that really stick out? So, you know, big crashes or, you know, controversy or anything like that that sticks out for you? I think probably um, some, something that I keep coming back to, it has nothing to do with the racing or crashes or anything like that, is when I was commentating on the Imola 500 in V8 Scops in, ah, uh, what year was it? I think it might have been 2018, 2017 or 2018. I was behind the mic with Bo Albert. And um, Bo made this really terrible pun. I groaned audibly on broadcast (laughs) and, you know, I sort of gave him uh, a bit of stick for it. And then he said, I apologize in advance. And I absolutely lost it. I said, you can't apologize in advance for something you've already said, Bo. That's not how it works. (laughs) Just Uh. uh, it's it's those funny moments between commentators that really stick out to me. I get a lot of that with Ryan Jones on the major series as well. You know, I, I love having another personality to kind of uh, bounce things off and and really, you know, get get the viewers laughing potentially. Yeah, definitely. We'll get to Ryan Jones in a sec. I think. <laughs> um, what? So we've already got. What advice would you give to a new broadcaster? What What do you think is the most important thing for a broadcaster to to keep an eye on when they're going? Whether it's new, whether it's old, what's the biggest point that they need to focus on? I think the biggest point you need to focus on is, uh, again, being yourself, um, being relaxed, because um, if, uh, if if you're having a tough time and if, if you're not really prepared for what you're doing, it is definitely going to show. So make sure that you do your research and make sure that you know exactly what you're doing before you get into anything. Like if, um, if, if it's like a minute to go before the broadcast goes live and you don't know who's racing in the field or what the championship situation is, then yeah, you probably need to focus on that a bit more. Yeah. And I think what you said earlier about, um, like you just can't manufacture stuff. People see through it too easily. Mm. So uh, I really like that advice. Um, obviously, you've worked with a range of the SimSpeed uh, TV commentators. Is there anyone you feel like you've got that really good connection with on the comms? Uh, and I also put that, you know, the answer to this question isn't allowed to be Ryan Jones. He gets enough credit on this podcast. Damn. So. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, because that was um, that was going to be one of my answers. You know, I I, I really do like working with Ryan because um, you know he he has this nice relaxed uh, sort of commentary when it's in the quiet moments. Um, he, he's he, it's it's nice to you know just just let things hang in the air for a little bit is what I've learned from Ryan and from Jonathan Simon as well. Um, I I worked with Jonathan Simon on the. Um, Ah, the the VSR showdown, um, which was an event run by Motum Simulation for a time. Again, the prize was a test in a real life racing car, and uh, I ended up being flown over to Melbourne for PAX because um, in uh, in one of the booths there, um, they had the motion rigs set up. All the drivers turned up on the racing in heats, and we uh, we ended up uh, commentating together on that. And yeah, I, I really loved working with Jonathan Simon. He, he taught me a bit about, uh, about preparation and note-taking before broadcasts as well. Um, and uh, I, think, I think I got a lot from him. Also, Cameron Dance as well, who I've commentated on dirt events with and on the Pro Truck Showdown. Cam's nice and relaxed and, you know, he, he's really good to carry the broadcast. And uh, obviously, Jake Sperry on V8 Scops, he brings massive energy all the time, every time. <laughs> yes, he does. No, that's okay. You can have Ryan Jones as your answer. We're just still salty about him being too big time to commentate our Aussie car races nowadays. Uh-huh. So, <laughs> um, How hard is it to concentrate with you know the multiple people that are in your ears uh well i suppose you know jay or whether it's the other commentators or anything else that's going on behind the scenes yeah race control and then you hear the drivers how hard is it to be able to keep focused during a race well i um i actually turn off in sim voice chat when i'm commentating for that exact reason because i i tend to find it a bit too distracting and any information that I can uh, glean from race control, we get usually fed to us anyway through text, so we can um, we can work off of that. But yeah, it, it it can be difficult, especially you know if if they're if we're commentating on a battle and then. I'm in the middle of saying a sentence and Jay suddenly goes, oh, you know, this has happened on this part of the track, this driver and this driver, you know, um, I can get, you know, a little bit shaken by that, but generally I tend to get back on track really well. So yeah, it, it was, it was especially hard in the early days. And, you know, I think on a, on a few broadcasts I've done, you can definitely tell when we're pausing to listen to Jay say something, but um, as with all things, the more you do it, the the better you get at it. Yeah, absolutely. Is it hard to stay impartial when you're commentating? Like, do you, is there any times where you've sort of had the same people do the same silly things or there's a driver that you seem to have a real affinity for and you, you might feel yourself barracking for them or anything like that? Yeah, it is. It is hard to stay impartial. You know, it's it, it can be difficult. You you do have to put it aside when you're uh, when you're in there in the booth. You have to give everyone as equal coverage as you possibly can. But um, I think at the same time, there is always going to be a bit of impartiality, uh, a bit of partiality. Sorry. And um, I think if you can play into that a little bit, it actually helps the broadcast. It, um, it it allows viewers to get involved. It gets a reaction out of viewers as well. If you if you you know um, say something very blunt about a driver who's done something stupid on track, you know, I it is it will be my real opinion. And I try to be as measured and as neutral as possible when I'm saying things like that, but I still allow, you know, a little bit of the opinion to creep in. 
We we actually had something. Can I ask you? Just before you ask Pete, I was going to say, yeah. we sort of had that situation in Aussie Car right back in one of the early seasons. Can't remember who was involved but around Watkins Glen and sort of battling a front pack and let uh, Cameron Dance just run away with the race. And one of the commentators sort of said, you know, you didn't really do the smartest thing for the race and kind of, you know, gave decided to give it away. And there was a lot of uh, discussion throughout the Discord about, you know, what what that was the case. So I guess you're right. It does sort of involve those drivers, gets people talking and sort of gets that publicity and out I, there, I suppose. In I a mean, way. if if you're telling the truth um, from your perspective, then I think that's fine. If you're If you're really, like brazenly trying to back someone or or trying to make it out like like some driver is not at fault for an incident when they're clearly at fault then mm. it's a problem but i think in that case with the Aussie car event i think it's perfectly fair for a commentator to say something like that because all you can do as a commentator is look at the facts of the situation look at how the race has played out and base your commentary off of that that's right yeah, I think most of the Aussie Car Discord saw it the same way as said commentator Ryan Jones <laughs> mm-hmm. and David Haynes, um, but the the two or three people involved, uh, or yeah, kind of disagreed. But anyway, mm-hmm. it was um it was an interesting little chat. I got a question without notice again. Now Ooh. this one goes to a chat group that I'm in, and it involves one James Chastanoff. Ah, there, there's a rumor going around that Sperry's got um a bit of a love interest for Chastanoff, and, <laughs> and if that comes through on the broadcasting a little bit. Is this true or not? Oh, um, I I wouldn't say so. I mean, I haven't heard anything about it from Sperry, but I think I think Sperry does. You know, he he likes to latch on to a particular driver every so often, especially when they seem to be coming up in form. I mean, Chasty had uh, some some great scops races in the last couple of rounds. He really did, and uh, and Sperry, you know, sees that, and uh, then. He says, you know, I, I would really like to, well, he doesn't say, but this is the feeling that I get, um, that, that Sperry wants to really, you know, give big ups to that driver and encourage them to do yeah. better. Because, again, it, it helps the league in general when you highlight drivers that are up and coming and they're doing really well. Yeah, definitely. Okay, back to you. <laughs> well, while we're on the topic of Sperry, what's it like wearing, uh, wearing, <laughs> working with Jake Sperry? <laughs> Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> it's um it's tiring in the best of ways because um, because uh, you know like I said before he brings high energy to absolutely everything and when things go off on track when there's a big incident or a really close fight for the finish you know you really get pulled into it it's it's like it's like those big exciting moments in Formula One when you hear uh, Murray Walker or David Croft go absolutely bonkers. Um, you know, it, it hypes me up as well, and it really keeps me in the game. And Sperry has uh, a real gift of the gab, I think. You know, even when a race has some boring bits, Sperry will find something to talk about, and he will he will always, you know, catch me a bit off guard with a question or something like that to keep me on my toes. So I, I do appreciate that. So bit of a multiple choice question for you mm. um what would be the harder job you reckon jay producing commentating with sperry or race control in a v8 scops race race control in a v8 scops race <laughs> to be able to think about that <laughs> no because uh because yeah i i certainly don't envy the job that race control have to do in that series because v8 scops being the series that it is you know so high level and so competitive um the the drivers will always try and defend their side of an incident to the bitter end, and um, you know V8 Scops race control. We have um, 
we have, uh, you know, spoken our minds about them in the past on broadcasts. You know, nobody's perfect. And Race Control have made a couple of decisions over the years that haven't exactly sat well with everyone. So, you know, I, I, I do have a lot of respect for what they do regardless. You know, it, it is a very difficult job adminning any series. I should know. I tried it myself once and it was really, really difficult. So, uh, yeah, hard job being uh, Race Control. Um, what's your favourite track and car combo to commentate on? Is there one that you like a, a track that you know is better than any any others, or a race car that you like to commentate on? I uh, I think Bathurst always is yep. the best track to commentate on because you know it's it's such a difficult circuit. Every single lap is slightly different when you're in the car, and it's very easy to make a mistake. So I think uh, any car at Bathurst would be my favourite to commentate. But I do have okay. to uh, give a particular shout out to tracks like Spa and Donington as well, the really old school road racing circuits. There's so much history to them and uh you know sports cars at spa or donnington is definitely a close second very nice um you talked earlier about uh taking notes and learning a bit from some of your fellow commentators into that how much preparation would you put into a broadcast like something like scops i suppose um, when I get time, you know, a day or two before, I will refresh myself on the championship picture. I'll uh, I'll sort of rewatch the last couple of races just to get back into the swing of things, see, you know, how things are going in terms of which driver is where and who's had a bad result, who's had a really good result in the last couple of races and make a, a note to sort of keep an eye on them, see how well they do, add to the story of their seasons. And um, and I think like the day of the race, I will make my uh, my notes in my notebook of, you know, just the track in general, its length, its, uh, you know, number of turns, um, historic moments that have happened in real life around uh, certain corners. And then uh, strategy as well, um, particularly for V8 Scops. Um, a few days before the race, I will check out Madison Downs data pack on virtual racing school where I can get fuel numbers for the track in question because V8 Scops and the official V8 calendar sync up when there is a Scops round. So I get a lot of good, very valuable information from that. Yeah, it's very, very important part of it. I know listening to some of the Aussie car broadcasts a couple of times, it's been funny watching it back and um, the boys are talking about, oh, you know, it looks like, uh, is everyone taking tyres? Or wait, no one's taking tyres because Ira's changed up some of the rules in the series mm. every now and then. It's really funny going back thinking like, well, we were never going to change tyres. So there was no strategy involved there at all. So yeah, it's definitely an important part of it. Absolutely, yeah. Is there anyone who's really impressing you in the sim community right now? I'd say as a whole, um, the Altus Esports crew in V8 Scops, because Altus have had, um, you know, they've, they've been trying their best over the years in V8 Scops, but they've been really struggling to topple the juggernaut that is Trans-Tasman Racing. But this mm. V8 Scops season... Um, you know, I've been a part of the broadcast team for V8 Scops since the series inception, and it uh, I, I would say that this season is probably the most open and competitive at the top of the field that the series has ever been. So 
I think drivers like Cooper Webster and Jordan Caruso really impressing me right now. They are getting their hands in there, getting their noses into the battles, taking wins here and there, and making life difficult for Trans-Tasman, who, you know, no disrespect, obviously, they are the top Australian sim racing team for a very good reason, but uh, it's, it's good to see them, you know, really having to dice with, uh, with another team again. Yeah, definitely. And it's good to see they're both sort of running on different strategies too, where Alta seems to be really fast in qualifying, really fast at the start of the race, and then Trans-Tasman seems to be coming through at the end with a bit more pace. So it's really, not only are they, they've lifted their game, but it's adding that extra dynamic to the races, which is really good. So I'm going to quickly jump into a question. How much more is exciting is it seeing Madison Down uh, having to fight for each race and the struggles he's been having, especially over the last couple of weeks? Like V8 Scops, has it ever looked this exciting especially with even the splits um like second split in the pre-quality the, the times are just so much closer now yeah absolutely um v8 scops has always been a very highly competitive and very close series all throughout the field but i think especially in uh, in recent years uh especially with jared philcell um I think some people have gotten the idea that there isn't much competition for wins at the top, but nowadays, you know, Madison down, I mean, he took, he took the title in style last season. It was a magnificent season long drive from Madison, but Altus now pushing them. I think uh, we're going to go down to the wire this year. And I, I'm finding myself properly looking forward to every single Scops race for the first time in a while. Definitely. So, changed hands. It's just a little bit here now. How do you deal with idiots on the internet when every single call you make in a comment when you're commentating is probably going to be fifty fifty? So half half the half the comment half the audience is going to hate you for it. How do you deal with those idiots? Well, I I haven't really um, gotten much stick from idiots on the internet, uh, if if that's the right term. You know, a couple of times in previous years. I've had a driver message me after a race yep. and um, after I've, you know, made some comments about them or called their race in a certain way and they've disagreed with what I've said. They've said, oh, you know, you know, I don't think that's really fair. But, you know, that's it's not really good, man. You know, what are you doing? Um, but I, I tend to just ignore it because I know that I'm doing the best job I can and I know that I'm being as fair as I can. And more often than not, the opinion that I have is the one that's shared by race control and by most of yep. the viewers watching. So um, I think uh, in recent times, I haven't, um, I haven't gotten as many comments from people about my commentary, which is good. Um, but yeah, most of the time, I just tend to shut it out. There's always feedback to get from people if you've really made yes. a genuine mistake. But yeah, I just, uh, I just try to focus on myself. Yes, I'll clear that up. I was definitely talking about the keyboard warriors out there, not the people actually making good points and and, <laughs> and things like that. They're good. The internet sometimes is a flame, flaming mess. But oh, yes. um, how how do you think the current status of driving skill and standards in Australian sim racing are right now? I think as good as it's ever been. Um, you know, uh, the the high point I think for setting the standard 
was from 2016 to 2019 with Jared Philsell up at the top. It just seemed like he was unstoppable in V8 scops and unstoppable in just about everything he drove. Unfortunately, he's not racing in V8 scops as much as he used to now, which uh, which which is a shame. I would like to see Jared in there a bit more. Um, but yeah, I think driver skill uh in in terms of you know stuff like v8 scops and in the pro truck showdown and in uh, in the dirt scene up until brady unfortunately called off oceanic dirt sim events for a while i thought that it was really awesome to see the amount of skill on show in terms of driving standards it's always been a bit of an iffy sort of point um v8 scops has never been a completely clean series there's always going to be someone trying a dive bomb at a certain corner and taking out a few cars so you know i i think in terms of uh in terms of safety um yeah it probably could be still be a few things to improve on but definitely skill i reckon it's at a high point right now and it has been for the last few years yeah, and I guess with the Scop stuff, they're playing for sheep stations out there, a lot of those guys. So um, when there's no real-world applicate or real-world consequences in terms of damage and things like that um, in a highly competitive you know, series and uh, highly competitive drivers, there's always going to be some contact and some uh, banging doors, that's for sure. Mm. Um, obviously, since you've got into commentating, has there been anyone that's really inspired you from the real-world commentators or people that you've now that you do the commentary side of things that you look at and go, oh, I'd really like to be able to put some of what they do into my commentary. Yeah, um, Murray Walker, obviously, is a big inspiration. You know, he was uh, basically the voice of the fans and uh, his passion always came through in every single commentary call he ever made. In terms of nowadays commentary, I reckon uh, Neil Crompton, um, I really admire. He always put on some fantastic calls. Lee Diffie is fantastic in his commentary for IndyCar, always has been. But um, I think one of my biggest inspirations is actually Martin Brundle on the Sky Formula One broadcasts. He manages to keep things a little bit entertaining while also sprinkling in tons of technical information, breaking it down so that the viewers understand it and, uh, you know, just just being a class act in general. So I reckon Brundle's probably my biggest inspiration. Yeah, I actually see a fair bit of uh, commentary on the commentary from Sky, um, the Sky broadcast from the Formula One. I actually really like it. I think they do a wonderful job. I reckon there's a good, mm. a good mix of characters and it's a good mix of sort of lightheartedness with... Um, like you said, the technical aspect, and I actually think they do a really good job of the coverage for Formula One. Oh, yeah, and uh, and just before I forget, also on the Sky F1 front, Karun Chandok. I mean, just mm. just a magnificent commentator he is. Um, you know, he he manages to put the technical stuff into words that people can understand while still keeping it reasonably high level and keeping it really exciting. I think I think you know uh, I think equal with Martin Brundle in terms of inspiration would be Karun Chandok. Absolutely. Now this weekend there's a big race going on. Uh, mm-hmm. You're you're a big part of the Max Bantz Week 13 races. I guess, first of all, for those who haven't heard of or seen any of the Max Bantz races, what what is Max Bantz all about? <laughs> Obviously about yeah. the Bantz, but... And, and how did it all come about? 
Well, the uh, the idea behind Max Bantz is basically how can we make the the worst or the most interesting, <laughs> uh, in a bad way, sim racing event. Um, the the idea came about. Um, when myself, Jake Sperry, and Simon Mazomo, who does work with us at SimSpeed, we were all in a channel together and we were just, you know, throwing around ideas and stuff like that. And, um, you know, we, we sort of came up with the idea of, um, of a format. You know, everyone starts on a thousand points and it's an elimination format. You end up losing points the further down you finish and you get eliminated once you reach zero or something like that. <laughs> so we uh, we ran the first Max Bantz Open with that format. It was a great success. And then myself and Sperry thought, you know, we can probably make an ongoing event out of this. And we've changed up the format every single time. We've always tried to make it something that is going to be a really hard, grueling event for drivers, but also keep it really meme as well. Like, actually, one of them is... Uh, the um, was the incident points strike back where <laughs> we raced the Lotus 49 at Spa-Francorchamps and we had an incident limit of one before people <laughs> got disqualified because Spa obviously is notorious in iRacing for yeah. its interesting interpretations of track limits. So, yeah, that's well, a bit of an idea. not after the current patch. Yes, <laughs> maybe. We will see. I can't wait to see how it works out. I have actually yeah. gone back and watched that one, and it, it is hilarious. I, they're all hilarious, but that that was definitely one of my favourites. Do Do you have a favourite Max Bet so far? I reckon I got to go right back to the second one we ever ran, Sim Racing Boogaloo. Um, that was the uh, the old NASCAR Cup car at Road Atlanta Club, the really horrible, twisty layout <laughs> of Road Atlanta. And uh, 10th place was the winner. So uh, everyone knew that going into it. So basically halfway through the race, everyone just started slowing down and trying their best to let everyone else go. It ended up having the entire field just crawling around the racetrack, bumping each other <laughs> off drivers were driving backwards in fact the winner of the event Keenan Cousin crossed the line in 10th place going backwards and uh, you know that I think it, it's also my favorite because that was the point where I realized you know this is a fantastic event concept and it, it's got great entertainment value that we can carry into the future and what's on the cards for this week's uh, Max Vance what are you really looking forward to seeing well, um, Keenan Cousin is going to return, but uh, in an admin capacity, he's going to call a competition caution at his discretion. <laughs> it's going to be 172 laps of Bristol Motor Speedway in the Delara IRO1. So, <laughs> yeah, the super fast V10 ground effect machine. And uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing a lot of parts flying everywhere. And one of the best things about the Max Bantz uh, races, if you don't know as well, is you also don't only make these poor drivers go through these horrible races that you've decided on, but you also make the setups, if I'm correct, and you yes. do not be friendly on the setups. <laughs> No, my goal with every Max Bantz is to make the setup as bad as possible. <laughs> so um, yeah, I've found it a little bit more difficult with the Delara IRO one because there's you know so little that you can actually adjust 
on that car, but I'm going to try and tweak it some more, see if I can actually get it to, I don't know, massively rotate in the middle of the corners <laughs> or uh, put negative wing on it or something like that. Um, largely, it just comes down to clicking random buttons, driving, clicking random buttons, driving and thinking, yeah, this is sufficiently bad. I will put this through. <laughs> That's normally just how my setups end up anyway if I try and do it myself. So if you ever need anyone to make a horrible setup, you can give me a call. I'd probably be able to do it. Um, and obviously with such a coveted series or coveted race, there must obviously be some kind of big prize on the line. Can you tell us about the prize that you get for winning Max Bantz? The prize you get for winning Max Bantz is the Winra Trophy, the most <laughs> prestigious JPEG in sim racing. Um, I actually, I drew it in Microsoft Paint at the very end of the first Max Bantz broadcast, and it has become the, uh, the, the, the picture that I send to every Max Bantz winner. And, uh, you know, if uh, it, I, I, I don't know, like, where it can be viewed or anything like that. I haven't uploaded <laughs> it anywhere, but you can see it on every Max Bantz broadcast. It's... Uh, it's become quite a legendary piece. I'd love to. I don't know if you've ever seen, but there's um, the uh, pictures that you've been on Reddit or on Twitter where they've taken kids' drawings like of what they've done as animals and turned them into like real-looking animals. I'd yeah. love for someone to take the the coveted Winroar uh, JPEG and turn it into an actual trophy in real life, but just look as bad yes. as it as still does. That would be awesome. <laughs> Absolutely. If they can nail the, yeah, great, woo words around the trophy, have them sort of suspended around it, that would be awesome too. If uh, if anyone's up to the challenge, I'd really like to see it. <laughs> Maybe uh, someone at Prestige Trophy uh, sponsoring the Aussie Car Series might be, able to, might be able to help you out with that one. Now, Yeah, we'll see. You don't just provide some wonderful content uh, on SimSeed TV with your commentary, but you've also... Uh, Create, we also create content on the YouTube channel Southpaw Racer. When did that, all that begin? Well, I created the... Well, Southpaw Racer has been my online ID for a while. Um, you know, the, the name basically comes from, you know, Southpaw means left-handed. And uh, with my brachial plexus injury, I can only use my left hand. So left-handed racer, Southpaw Racer... There you go. Um, it's a quality name, up, by the way. <laughs> thank you very much. Thank you. I'm, I'm quite proud of it. But uh, yeah, I started uploading on the channel in 2010 and it was just basic stuff. You know, initially it was just showcasing how I could drive in sim racing one-handed. But then uh, I think in about, you know, 2011, 2012, I started moving into more comedic sort of stuff. I would just cut together um, videos of myself driving in Richard Burns Rally and just being absolutely terrible. <laughs> and um, then I started moving into the super serious track guides, which um, which spawned really from my frustration with a particular Richard Burns Rally stage that I could never complete to a good standard. And um, the entire goal of that series is, it, it, I think a better title for it actually would be Racetrack Roasts because <laughs> I... Yeah, I, uh, I, I just, I just take a racetrack and I, I try and as try and comedically criticize it as best I can, um, and sort of, it's almost like a parody of track guide videos that you see. You know, you, you have people going, oh, you know, uh, break at this point into this corner, and uh, and you know, in this gear, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I tend to take that and then just add on really memey complaints and uh, and a couple of uh, descents into insanity as well any uh tracks in the crosshairs for upcoming videos 
Hanoi is going to be the next one, the Hanoi Street Circuit that was supposed to be raced on in F1 last year. And uh, I have uh, I have a few more on the line, um, but uh, I'm going to keep those a secret until uh, a bit later. I, I do have a list of tracks that I would like to make super serious track guides on. I just haven't really gotten the time to dedicate to uh, to making more of those videos since I've been so busy with university and my commentary. But now that university's over, I'm going to go full steam ahead into them. Yeah, is Hanoi the one with the super long straights with just the roundabout at the end <laughs> is that is that the track or? um yeah a little bit little bit um it's it's got this it, sector three is an absolute nightmare it's like you go into this slow right angle turn and then there's some flat out s's with walls on either side and you, you basically turn into a ping pong ball if you uh, turn in even slightly too late so yeah it's uh it's, it's quite a difficult circuit at the best of times never been able to get a clean lap around there yeah, I think it's the one if you look at it from a certain angle, it almost looks like um <laughs> like you imagine um how to describe it, like a um uh oh, I've lost the words now. Like an ironing board, like the legs of an ironing board have just been spread out so they're just about flat, but just yes. risen just risen enough. Um and then it's almost like there's some kind of, I don't know, like a racing seat or something sitting on top of it. It's just the most ridiculous looking track. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The the maps really provide uh, a lot of the impetus for <laughs> for getting a track guide out there. Um so you've almost amassed uh almost seventeen and a half thousand subscribers, I think, when I last checked. So congratulations on that. Well, what's Thank you. what's your favorite part about the content you create? I think largely it's um just you know, having an outlet for my own creativity because I've always I've always been a creative person. I used to draw a lot when I was a kid. I I, I did some painting as well. I do photography as well um, when I when I get the opportunity. So any any opportunity that I get to just sort of you know be be a quote unquote artist on the internet, if you can call it that, um, I, I do like to take the opportunity. But I think another motivation with my my non-comedic stuff is uh, informing people as well. I, um, I, I've done a couple of videos where I look at lost racetrack proposals. I did uh, one for Spa and one for Suzuka, and I'm looking to do some more for some other tracks because, you know, if you, if you, if you dig around in various corners of the internet, you'll be able to find um, proposals for racetracks that were never developed. And it's, I find that really interesting. Like, what would these tracks have driven like? And being able to expose that to more people is, uh, is a really big part of making those kinds of videos as well. So at what stage did you decide, I'm going to start putting out regular content, like really regular content? Was that something you planned from the start when you did YouTube or was it something that actually came along as it got more people, more popular? It was something that I decided on in 2014, but um, life stuff has kept getting in the way. So I, I haven't been anywhere near as regular as I've wanted to be. You know, there's been gaps of up to six months between videos, uh, pro probably more. Um, so, you know, I'm not too happy about that, 
But now, again, now that I'm off uni, I want to uh, put out a video every couple of weeks at least and, um, you know, try my best to really get this momentum forward because I've already got a really strong subscriber base on the channel. And uh, I guess in that sense, the algorithm is going to help me if I put out more regular content. So hopefully, fingers crossed, I, uh, I will be able to start putting out more regular content in the next couple of months. Yeah, definitely. You got half the battle already won with all those subscribers. But how much time do you actually put into the production of those videos? It depends on the video. Um, for for a super serious track guide, like I'll I'll use Hanoi as an example. Um, I you know I I spend time driving around the track, just you know. Uh, highlighting what turns stick out and you know what kind of jokes are going to work with certain sections of the track and uh, all up I'd say the production of a super serious track guide would take about two weeks start to finish not counting breaks in uh, in actually creating content for longer form stuff like the racetrack proposal videos I'd say that uh they, they take about, yeah, again, a week, two weeks to produce because I very heavily script my videos and I, I like to have the exact words down as I want to say when I want to say them. Okay. And I, I've noticed that you, uh, I think you've got a very entertaining style and sort of flow to your videos. Is that something that's developed over time or is it something that came pretty naturally? Uh, a bit of both. Um, I, I guess when I did the first Super Serious Track Guide on that Richard Burns Rally Bergheim stage, I didn't put much thought into the actual flow of it. But as I made more of those Track Guide videos, I sort of realized that I was developing a bit of a rhythm to how I was actually doing them. Uh, and I think a big part of that is the backing music that I use for those videos. It's uh, it's Latin Industries by <laughs> Kevin McLeod. And uh, I think it's become, uh, it's become a bit of an integral part of my channel, that track. It's got a very specific flow and beat to it that I kind of uh, almost unwittingly sync my, narr my narration to. But uh, again, I really appreciate that uh, media that that does have a rhythm and a flow to it so I guess I try and put as much of that into my videos as I can and I noticed that you actually did your first official race uh, since about January the other day mm. uh, had a win by the way so well done I think it was a Audi race at Lime Rock Park Twas. How how often do you get a chance to race and are you racing in any leagues or is it just a, a matter of getting some time to do some officials or uh, it's a bit of both. Um, I, I've tended in more recent times to, to go in waves with how much I'm involved in actually racing stuff. Um, and, you know, I, I always want to be able to put a bit more time into actually driving because that's the, that's the impetus for my content in general. So I need to really keep up with that. I guess um, I do try to race as often as I can. Um, for, for a time, I competed in 
Aussie car in the uh, the Turbo Touring Car Series. Uh, but, uh, you know, occasionally I like to uh, jump into an official when I like the car track combo. Usually I like racing the TCR and the Skippies. Um, I jump into the Ford Mustang as well occasionally. Um, what I really like also is uh, endurance racing. A huge part of my racing time uh, in the last uh, four or five years was uh, endurance championships in the HPD prototype. And I, I really love picking my way through GT traffic and trying to maximize the pace of a high downforce prototype and thinking about strategy, how much time have we got left, how much fuel can we afford to put in at the final stop, all of that sort of stuff is right up my alley. We obviously had Chris Purnell on earlier. Have you had any uh, big success in any of these longer endurance races? Well, um, a few years ago, uh, we were um, champions of the Australian Endurance Championship back when I was with Daco Motorsport. That was a really awesome season. And um, the, uh, the um, Endurance Sports Car Series, which was one of the successors to AEC, um, Fusion Sim Racing, we, we did so well in that league. And I think that I've never driven a setup as perfect as the setups that we had for the HPD in that one. Um, you know, I'm always looking for a bit more success in online racing. I don't get into as much racing with the Fusion guys as um, as I have in the past and as I would like to, but we'll, we'll see in the future. I'll see if I can increase my involvement. I think I saw you racing in, um, what was it? It was the support series on Friday night. And the, yes. The Pro Trucks at Sebring. I think that was a... That was the last time I saw you racing, which was a really good race to watch as well. Yeah, done in that. Certainly, um, you, the, uh, the 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 sports enjoy series. The pro trucks? Yeah, I actually, I, I uh, well, the the pro trucks I don't like as much as the legends, which are also raced in the support series. Yes. Um, I, I I won the legends race at Road Atlanta, which was something I've been threatening to do since putting it on pole for round <laughs> one at Montreal. Um, but uh, yeah, pro trucks I always like having a big lob in them underrated car that little yeah, legends really car oh yeah yeah i really love the idea of the, the the support series i think that's it just makes it feel like it's a whole weekend of of actual proper racing content which is yeah really good see different cars supporting the the scop series but what's the future look like for reese gardner um the future is still a bit up in the air um i don't know if you can hear it through my microphone but uh there's a little bit more reverb in this room now and the reason for that is this room that i'm in used to be my bedroom but now is not my bedroom uh, another room in my house has been vacated and i'm uh, i'm now sleeping in a different part of the house so this room that uh, that i have my uh, computer set up in I'm going to turn into my studio. I've uh, I've ordered a few supplies and I'm going to be outfitting the room in the next month or so. Um, I'm going to try and uh, get a few other things in order to get a bit of a Southpaw space going. So uh, that's the priority number one for me at the moment. But other than that, uh, YouTube, commentary and racing when I can. Sounds like a good idea. building a house at the moment. (laughs) Yeah. I'm building a house at the moment and it's actually, I'm building the bedroom four is going to be a studio. We've got insulation in the walls and all that kind of stuff. So I understand exactly where you're coming from, but let's have our final question. I've written it down. So I actually remember it this week. <laughs> cool. 
who should we get on the podcast next? Have you guys talked to Jay Kennedy yet? No, we refused to. <laughs> oh, well. No, we, no. no we, we, we made a conscious decision from the start. We didn't want to just slam all the SimSpeed people in because everyone's happy to come on. We wanted to sort of spread that out over the life of the podcast or the first year anyway. So yeah. he is definitely a, a key one we're going to be getting on soon. We haven't forgotten about you, Jay, even though we make fun of you. We haven't <laughs> forgotten about you. Yeah, of course. The, well, the, the, uh, the, the message is in the, the invitations in the mail, I think. So somewhere <laughs> right. Oh well. Um, well, if uh, if if that is the case, then uh, oh, I don't know. Hey, eh? um, I think um, maybe maybe getting someone from uh, from outside the Australian side of iRacing would be uh, would be a really good bet. Um, oh, no no names come to mind at the moment, just because I've been uh, I haven't been as involved in the Euro scene as I used to be in the past, but um, there is. Uh, there is a guy that uh, I raced with for a long time, Oscar Hardwick. Um, he's uh, he's associated with uh, with Jimmy Broadbent now. Uh, Oscar did race control for Jimmy's uh, charity race last year. Uh, he's he's a great guy. He always has some pretty strong opinions to put forward, and uh, he's very passionate about his sim racing as well. He uh, he knows what he likes. Sweet. We'll add that to the list and we'll look at. I would love to get someone from international waters to um, definitely get on the podcast. So we'll aim for that for you. No problems at all. Jonathan now, Simon as well. Wrap- definitely Jonathan okay. Simon. Um, Cause you know, he's, he's been around the, uh, the sim racing scene for such a long time. He runs his own podcast, the Simon racing report. And um, yeah, he's just a really accomplished sim racing commentator. Uh, he was part of the supercars E-series commentary team as well. I think he would be an absolute wealth of information oh, to get. He was, yes, that definitely would be. Um, Braden, write that one down for me. We'll do. Make that one happen. Um, Thank you so much for your time, Reese Gardner. Who do you want to shout out and what have you got coming up that people should be looking forward to? Well, I just want to give a shout out to you guys, obviously, for having me on. This has been really fantastic, a great experience. And a big shout out to everyone at SimSpeed TV for supporting me and helping me to get to where I am now, to uh, to all of my uh, lecturers and tutors at Edith Cowan University, to uh, Paul Persick as well, who was a, a, who is a classmate of mine. Um, he, uh, he runs uh, a lot of radio stuff here in Perth, and he always puts his all in. And I guess shout out to everyone who's stuck with me through all the years on YouTube. You know, I always get really nice comments from, uh, from the same few individuals whenever I upload a new video. So you know who you are. Thank you very much. And uh, yeah, look out for Max Bantz this weekend and uh, also the Hanoi Super Series Track Guide. Sweet. Definitely get on that. We will be launching this episode just before Max Bantz. We're actually bringing it forward today to avoid a clash with Max Bantz. So hopefully everyone gets in and listens to it before then. Now, Braden, mate, where can people find you? And quickly, what have you got coming up? Well, I don't have a lot coming up, to be honest. No Aussie car this week. Uh, obviously, it's the week off, so won't be doing any uh, racing tomorrow night, um, which actually works out really good because my football team is playing a uh, Thursday night game, so that actually works out good that it's the week off. But uh, hopefully, I can uh, stream some kind of crazy race over the next few days uh, in this week th- 13 madness. Uh, that'll be over on twitch.tv slash the1dwade. And again, probably whinging about something on Twitter at Braden Talk. So if you want to come listen to me whinge, feel free to drop me a follow. Excellent. You can find myself, shake me out of my little cave. I'm in on Twitter, Wilco's Chill Zone. 
Uh, you can also find all our stuff, Locked On Lads, on Facebook or LockedOnLads.com slash Discord. Get in our Discord and enjoy the fun that is being had in there at the moment by a large chunk of not only the Australian racing community, but the uh, gaming community at large. So it is a beautiful spot to be. But they are the main places to have it. Look out for next week's episode. I will promote that fairly soon and who we've actually got on when that's all confirmed. Uh, but thank you, everyone, who's been hanging around and listening to the podcast. It's really good to hear, see these numbers go and the feedback we're getting are amazing. Thanks again, Reese Gardner. You have been an absolute pleasure and we'll catch you all next week. Have a good one. Bye. Drive safe, drive fast.